On today's show, we're going to go through the Yankees' doubleheader sweep of the Angels. It was quite a day at Yankee Stadium. And we'll preview the series against the Tigers, look at the matchups, etc. All next on Locked on Yankees. You are Locked on Yankees, your daily New York Yankees podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, Yankees fans. It's a good Friday. It's a happy Friday. The Yankees swept the Angels in a three-game set. More importantly, they swept a doubleheader. They didn't drop the final game of the series. And things were pretty exciting at Yankee Stadium yesterday. So we're all in good moods. At least we all should be in good moods. You're listening or watching Locked on Yankees, which is part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Stacey Gotsoulias. You can listen to us in Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you can get your podcasts. There are lots of places. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube, like and comment on YouTube, do all that good stuff. And if you have a smart device in your car or in your house, tell it to play podcast Locked on Yankees. So yesterday was a good day. Yesterday was a very good day. Not for the Angels, for the Yankees. The Angels are now currently riding or sliding an eight-game losing streak. Woo! I was slightly worried with them coming into the stadium on a five-game losing streak because, you know, sometimes teams like that turn things around. Even against good teams, it happens. But it didn't happen. And... Yesterday, the Yankees got to Shohei Otani again. They hit three home runs off him. And we're going to talk about the first one because Matt Carpenter leading off for the Yankees. And, you know, social media, they announced the lineups. People react on Twitter. Some people were wondering, why is Matt Carpenter leading off? Well, <laughs> he showed you why in his first at bat against Shohei Otani. He saw 11 pitches from Shohei Otani. That in itself makes it a good at bat. But the fact that it ended on a home run makes it a really good at bat. <laughs> so Otani started him off with a four-seam fastball. That was a ball, very low. Pitch number two, another four-seam fastball that Carpenter fouled off. It was in the zone, inside. A little high, but not really, because, you know, the strike zone is not really the way it used to be. It's no more uh, knees to here. It's, I don't know. I don't understand the strike zone anymore. I don't understand certain umps' interpretation of the strike zone, but we'll get to that when we talk about game two. Otani offered a slider that Carpenter fouled off, a splitter that he fouled off, a splitter that was a ball, another four-seamer that was foul, a slider that was foul, a curveball that was foul. So basically, Otani was showing Carpenter every pitch in his arsenal. Pitch number nine was a splitter that was a ball. Pitch number 10 was a four-seam fastball that Carpenter fouled off. And then pitch number 11 
a cutter pretty much in the middle. <laughs> not too high, not too low, not too inside, not too outside. 87.1 miles an hour. The exit velocity was 107.7 and Carpenter crushed it. 410 feet for a leadoff home run. Now, he wasn't the only one who hit a home run off Otani. As I said, there were three. All solo shots, which is kind of funny, but, you know. It was one of those, and I actually even joked about that while watching the game and tweeting about it. I said, yeah, I'd like these better if they weren't all solo shots. That'd be great because uh, you never know what's going to happen. So Glaber Torres also hit a home run off Otani. And the funny thing about it is Carpenter went one way. He wore Otani down. 11 pitches. He threw everything he has. And he hit a home run. And then Otani throws a four-seamer to Gleyber Torres. He hits it for a first-pitch home run. Don't you love baseball? I love baseball. 97.4 miles an hour. Four-seam fastball. Slightly high. According to Baseball Savant, it's right at the top of the zone. And then Judge hit a home run off him. That was in the third inning, another solo home run. And we'll look at that at bat as well. And then Aaron Judge's home run in the third inning came on the fifth pitch of the at bat. So kind of in the middle between 11 and 1. <laughs> Otani started him off with a slider, which was a called strike, a four-seam fastball. That was a called strike. So he was in the hole, 0-2. Then he offered a splitter. That was a ball. Like, really a ball. Hit the ground. Four-seam fastball that Judge fouled off, and then a slider that was kind of up, above the zone. Only 86.1 miles an hour, and Judge crushed it 405 feet. Exit velocity 109.9. So Otani was chased from the game after three innings, gave up four runs on eight hits with one walk, two strikeouts, gave up the three home runs. He ended up throwing 75 pitches in those three innings. Again, Carpenter. <laughs> not, that, not that 64 pitches would have been bad, but, you know, you add those 11 pitches from Carpenter. Or say Carpenter's at bat was only four pitches instead of 11. Still, that's a lot of pitches for three innings. And the Yankees, you know, they ended up scoring six runs. They were still only two for 11 with runners in scoring position. So, um... It was kind of frustrating. You wanted them to score more. It was one of those games where you kind of wish they just beat up on the Angels, or at least I did. Tell me if you felt the same way. <laughs> so Nestor Cortez did Nestor Cortez things. Seven innings, no runs, five hits, two walks, seven strikeouts. His ERA is down to 1.50. He threw 96 pitches, which is why he didn't, you didn't see him in the eighth inning, which was fine. Clark Schmidt, two-thirds of an inning, one run on two hits, two walks, two strikeouts. Kind of rough for him. And then Wandy Peralta came in and shut things down. One and one-third innings, one walk, two strikeouts. So the Yankees pitchers overall got 11 strikeouts. Angels pitchers, six strikeouts. And there was another home run in the game. Um... DJ LeMayhew hit one off of Diaz in the fifth inning. Uh, another solo shot, because it was all solo shots. 
But yeah, this is a good showing by the Yankees. Obviously, the Angels are on a slide, but they're above 500. So that helps the Yankees' record against teams that are above 500. And as for the lineup, Aaron Hicks, three for four. Yeah, I can't believe it either. (laughs) Judge had two hits. Glaber had two hits. Trevino had two hits. The Yankees had 13 overall. So yeah, Aaron Hicks, three for four after everyone was bitching about him. If you didn't see that on YouTube and you're listening, I was pointing at myself. So in a moment, we will look at game two because game two had a chance to be historic and uh, came very close to being historic. And we'll talk about that in a second. But first, with spring in the air, it's a time of renewal and growth personally and professionally. As your small business grows, LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hiring hashtag frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We have an important favor to ask you. We've put together a survey so you can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcasts even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On podcasts. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. And thanks for your help. Thank you for making Locked On Yankees your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. Game two. Man. Man, oh man, Jamison Tyone, I keep saying it. I keep talking about how much better he looks and how he has become the dude that the Yankees were hoping to get when they decided to go after him and take him on as a reclamation project because that's what he was. He was coming back from his second Tommy John surgery. Things were questionable. How would he do? And, you know, last year was up and down for him. Every time you thought he'd made progress, he'd kind of regress in the next start. Then he injured his ankle, ended his season. We weren't sure if he was going to start the season on time. He did. And then, I mean, everyone's talking about Nestor Cortez with good reason, but your number two is Jamison Tyone. He made that plain last night. So let's go through his numbers because what a performance. Also, the fact that Cortez went seven, Tyone went eight, helps the bullpen. The starters are helping the bullpen. And they always say that the starting rotation 
when one guy does well and then the next guy will go well, like if they're really close and they're really bonded and they want to feed off each other, that tends to be happening with the Yankees. Hopefully it'll happen tonight with Garrett Cole. So Tyone, eight innings, one run on two hits, one walk, five strikeouts. Now it was frustrating how he lost the perfect game, lost the shutout. The Yankees were down one nothing, and you're thinking to yourself, are they going to lose? Are they going to lose this game? I'm going to be so angry. Because throughout the game, up to that point, the Yankees were bad. They could not get anyone home. They had runners in scoring position. It felt like every inning, and they just couldn't do anything. They were 1 for 12 with runners in scoring position. That one was big. We'll talk about that in a bit. But they left 10 on base. So it was a frustrating game because the Yankees couldn't score. They had seven hits, um, and, you know, they didn't score until the bottom of the eighth. But Jamison Tyone, my goodness, just what a performance by him. He's really becoming the pitcher the Yankees hoped for, and – I really hope that Yankee fans appreciate what he's been doing because it wasn't just last night's start. He's been doing really well. You know, him and Severino both got screwed in that doubleheader against the White Sox when the offense did nothing for either one of them. Um, But he's just doing so well. So Tyone shut down the Angels, nearly had a perfect game. And the guy to break it up was Jared Walsh. Oh, I forgot to mention. The first game, things got a little iffy there late, and the bases were loaded. Clark Schmidt made things interesting for the Yankees. He had two outs, and then he loaded the bases, and Jared Walsh came up. I've told you guys this story about four times in the last week coming up to this series, but Jared Walsh is the one that hit the home run off the Grand Slam off Aroldis Chapman. So I was having flashbacks yesterday. When I saw him come up with the bases loaded and the Yankees leading 6-1. Now, my first thought was, well, if he does hit a grand slam in this spot, at least he won't tie the game and the Yankees will still be up by one. But thank God that didn't happen. But he's the one that broke up the perfecto for Tyone. He hit a ball that Isaiah Kiner-Falefa kind of kicked into the outfield. And I feel like the play should have been made and Walsh shouldn't have made it all the way to second, but it was almost like a, how do I describe it? It was almost like a, Oh man, I, we ruined the perfect game kind of play because IKF made a really good play before that to save the perfect game. And people were thinking, okay, maybe this is going to happen because there's always one of those plays in a perfect game or a no hitter. You saw it with Cone, the Ricky Ladey play. You guys remember that play, right? If you watched David Cohn's perfect game. It looked like Ricky Lede was not even looking at the ball and it somehow landed in his glove. Paul O'Neill made a really good play in David Wells' perfect game. Um, When Zimmerman for the Nats, the pitcher, right? Didn't he throw a no-hitter or a perfect game? And was it Steven Souza Jr. that made a really good insane catch in the outfield who was that for it was the nationals i just can't remember who but there's always that type of play in a perfect game and people thought that once that happened the perfect game was going to happen and then it didn't freaking jared walsh and it wasn't even a bad pitch by tyone it was up in a way 
eh, not really away, but it was up. And Jared Walsh just, I mean, you know, that sort of thing is going to happen. It was a four-seam fastball, 94.3 miles an hour. And then the Angels took a one nothing lead. And it, uh, it kind of felt like it was going to be one of those games, but it wasn't. Because it's not 2021, it's 2022, and this is a different team. Uh, Kurt Suzuki is the one that scored Jared Walsh, right? Yeah. That was a slider, fourth pitch of the at-bat. And that also wasn't a bad pitch. It was on the edge of the zone, heading outside, but he was able to get a bat on it. And yeah, but it looked like things were going to be ruined for Tyone and the Yankees. A game that felt so good, even though the Yankees weren't doing much. Offensively, you thought, okay, if Tyone can make it through the eighth, maybe they'll do something in the bottom of the eighth. And then when they go down by one, you're thinking, oh boy, here we go. So the bottom of the eighth, Anthony Rizzo comes in against Archie Bradley. Yankees have a runner in scoring position. It's the only hit with a runner in scoring position they got all game and it was a big one (laughs) because Anthony Rizzo on the fourth pitch that he saw from Archie Bradley which was a four seam fastball at 93.8 miles an hour and it's really funny because they kept throwing the ball in nearly the same spot three times in a row pitches two three and four were all not even inches away from each other. Why would you basically throw a pitch in the same exact spot to Anthony Rizzo? Pitch two was a changeup. Pitch three was a four-seam fastball. Pitch four was a four-seam fastball. And it was funny, too, because Archie Bradley, when the ball went past him because it went up the middle, he kind of like slammed his glove down. And I don't know if he was mad at himself or if he was mad at his fielders for not being anywhere near that ball. But Rizzo, two-run single to put the Yankees up 2-1. And then the unthinkable happens in the top of the ninth. Clay Holmes looks human. (sighs) Clay Holmes doing his best Aroldis Chapman impression minus the ultimate meltdown. He didn't allow a run. Thank goodness. And his scoreless streak reached 25 innings. But Clay Holmes made it interesting, but his ERA is still 0.35. He picked up his seventh save. The Yankees win. The Yankees sweep. Hallelujah. Good Lord. That was slightly scary there, Clay Holmes. And it was funny to see everyone's reactions on Twitter while it was happening. Because, um, you know, if you're not on Twitter and you don't know how people react to games, it's hilarious. I think... This is my advice. If you're afraid of Twitter, just start an account to just see how people behave on Twitter. But if you follow a bunch of Yankee people, just see how they tweet during games, especially games like that, because my entire timeline, everyone was having a breakdown. It was, I mean, I was too, honestly, but it was, it was funny. No offense to the people who were having a breakdown, but this is not 2021. This this team is totally different. And You know, Susan Waldman said it during the game last night. There's something about Anthony Rizzo. Like, even when he's not doing well, he still does something that helps the team, whether it's a defensive play, and that happened in game one, or he'll just get a hit out of nowhere, like last night, because he's been kind of 
on the schneid a little bit offensively. So yeah, the Anthony Rizzo signing, was I that jazzed when it happened? No. Did I want Matt, El- Matt Olson or Freddie Freeman? Yes. Did I think the Yankees were going to get them? No. Well, I was kind of hoping for Matt Olson, but I'm happy with Anthony Rizzo. I am. And I like that he's embracing playing in New York, goes to the Rangers games, having fun. Good for Anthony Rizzo. And that was a good moment last night. He was pumped. And, you know, Jameson Tyone was also pumped because of that hit. He picked up the win. So he now has six wins on the season. And I know win loss totals don't really matter, but that is kind of a big deal. He's six and one on the season and he's only six and one again because of the offense not doing anything during that doubleheader. So in a moment, we'll look at the matchups between the Yankees and the Tigers. That series starts tonight. Game one is on Apple tonight, and Sunday's game is on Peacock, and I believe it is an 11.35 start. We will make sure that that's the right information in a bit. But first, you've been asking, and Built Delivered, Built Granola Bars are here. They come in three unbelievable flavors, chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. If you want to try all three flavors, you can get a mixed box at Built.com right now. They're so different from the bars and puffs. Built Granola Bars are loaded with granola. It's the perfect combination of crunch and chewiness. But just like bars and puffs, these babies are packed with protein and covered in 100% real chocolate. With 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, and only four grams of sugar, Built Granola Bars will change your world. They've cracked the code to better granola. They're the perfect healthy snack to pack in your lunch, take on the road, or eat as a snack. And they're made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. So if you've been waiting for a healthy and delicious granola bar to hit the market, this is your time. Head to Built.com right now to get the Built Granola Bars, three delicious flavors. Once again, chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, white chocolate berry. Don't miss out. Get yours today. Go to Built.com, use our promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Again, that's LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So let's look at the matchups for this weekend against the Tigers. The Tigers are actually doing pretty well lately. I believe they've won seven out of eight. Okay, so tonight's matchup. Elvin Rodriguez against Garrett Cole. Rodriguez has appeared in three games. 11 and two-third innings, 10 strikeouts. His ERA is 6-1-7. And let's see. He's started two games. His last outing against Cleveland, he went four innings, gave up two hits, four strikeouts. Against Minnesota on the 23rd, he went five innings, gave up four runs on four hits with three walks, four strikeouts. So we'll see how the Yankees do against him. Garrett Cole against the Tigers. Who has the most at-bats against Garrett Cole? Miguel Cabrera is batting 200 in 20 at-bats. No home runs, no runs batted in. Javi Baez has a home run off him, but he's only batting 176 in 17 at-bats. And the rest of the guys have faced him under 10 times. Surprisingly enough, pain in the butt Jonathan Scope, who was a pain in the butt when he was on the Orioles against the Yankees, in eight at-bats, he's only batting 125 against Cole. He's one of those He's one of those guys that you're just like, who is this person and why does he keep doing well against the Yankees when he does nothing against any other team? But that's how he was when he was on the Orioles. It seems they have solved Jonathan Scope since he left the Orioles, but we'll see how that goes. On Saturday, the matchup is Luis Severino against Bo Brisky. 
I don't know if it's Breesky. I apologize if it's not, but it's spelled Breesky, and it doesn't give it a it doesn't give his pronunciation on Baseball Reference, probably because he's he seems to be a rookie. <laughs> but he's zero and four with a five point two five ERA with twenty two strikeouts. He has never faced the Yankees, so they don't have any numbers against him. Luis Severino is 3-1 with a 3.38 ERA and 51 Ks. And that is in how many innings has he pitched so far this season? 36. No, that's Bo Briskies. How many innings has Luis Severino pitched this year? 48 on the nose. Nine starts, 3-1, 3.38, 51 strikeouts in those 48 innings. Pretty good. Nice. Now, as for the Tigers against Severino, Javi Baez has only faced him twice, but he has a home run in one of those two at-bats. So Miguel Cabrera, 13 at-bats against Severino, 308 average, two runs batted in. Jonathan Scope, I'm going to keep bringing him up, has 21 at-bats against Luis Severino. He's batting 143. All right. So we'll see how that goes on Saturday. And then on Sunday... The Peacock game starts at 11.35 a.m. Ronnie Garcia against Jordan Montgomery. Now, Jordan Montgomery got offense in his last start, his first win. He's 1-1 one one on the season with a 3.04 ERA. Ronnie Garcia is 0-1 with a 4.70 ERA. And let's see. Out of the Yankees, Marvin Gonzalez has faced him once. Kyle Higashioka has faced him once. And... Isaiah Kiner-Falefa has faced him once and walked. Marwin Gonzalez does not have a hit, I don't think, right? No, and neither does Kyle Higashioka. As for the Tigers against Montgomery, Jonathan Scope has the most at-bats against him. He's batting two thirty-five in those 17 at-bats with one home run and four runs batted in. So there's something to look out for on Sunday. So the Yankees play the Tigers this weekend, and will they continue their really good play, finding ways to win? I was going to say, if a pitcher runs into trouble, they score, but, (laughs) you know, sure, Tyone ran into a little bit of trouble in the eighth inning last night, but the Yankees found a way to win. It'll just be interesting to see how the three starters after Cortez and Tyone pitch. Although Montgomery pitched well the other day in that win. So I'm the most curious about Cole. We'll see how he does tonight. That's, you know, because again, I keep joking about this, but Cortez is your number one. Tyone is your number two. And almost at this point, even though the offense doesn't, support him in any way shape or form you could argue that montgomery is their three and maybe cole's the four (laughs) that would be a nice argument to have let me know in the comments on youtube or tweet at us at locked on yankees and let me know what you think about jordan montgomery being ahead of cole in the rotation just ranking how they've performed so far i would just like to get your thoughts on that So that's it for this episode of Locked on Yankees, which is part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'd like to remind you that you can listen to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. 
You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. Again, like and comment on YouTube as well. And when you get into your car, you can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on MLB. Now make your second listen of the day Locked on MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues, both past and present. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. One more thing, if you could be so kind, please rate the podcast and spread the word about this podcast to your fellow Yankee fans. We'd really appreciate it. So enjoy the weekend. You may get a bonus show at some point. And I will talk to you all on Monday or maybe sooner than that. <laughs>